I'm Daniel Verdon, and this is the Maybell Soda Can Podcast. The Maybell Soda Can Podcast is about a woman named Maybell, how she lived, how she died, and how she stayed dead. Most people live and die and stay dead. I know that, but this time it was a near thing, her staying dead. There was a lot of magic involved, and not just the every new day is a miracle kind of magic. This was the fun, wizards, monsters, and explosions kind of magic. And it all wraps up with that bit about the indestructible and unmovable soda can that destroyed the world. Well, it mostly wraps up with that. That was different. Today, Maybelle is eight years old. She just kicked her friend Cliff in the balls. See, her sister Sylvia, who's seven and blonde and a bit pale, did magic on the school bus. Cliff saw her do it. He was about to tell Miss McClellan, the school bus driver, all about what he saw. Maybell got that stopped in the most pragmatic way possible. She's in a bit of trouble. Maybell was a highly trained and efficient testicle kicker. She ran in the woods nearly every day of the summer. All 60 pounds of her was lean and heavy muscle. She could slip her fingers between the wobbly planks on the front side of the big red barn and putting pressure on the wall with the grip of her shoes. She could shimmy up the loose beam, reach over, grab the ledge of the loft, swing over, and pull herself onto the dusty floor of the barn's second story. She could swim across the fish pond and back. She could dig post holes, carry 50-pound seed bags, and drive nails. She was pretty tough. Her daddy had taught her how to fight, too. They had spent a lot of time learning to kick. She knew the aim of any strike was to put all her focus and power into one full-body motion. She knew how to point her knee just beyond what she wanted to kick. That the real damage came from putting an extra snap of force and hip power into the kick by sitting down into the motion just as the extended foot reached the point of impact. She knew that she needed to snap her foot back as soon as it connected to protect her inner thigh and return to a stance that's not so vulnerable. She knew all this, and she had practiced by kicking feed sacks set up between two posts until they ripped open. So when Maybelle kicked Cliff in the nuts on the bus in front of the kids, Miss McClellan, Sylvia, and all the light and darkness residing in the fog and mist of the Hickory Hollow that morning, her foot hit Cliff's soft bits like a god hammer wrapped in canvas shoes. Her kick went into him until it was stopped by something hard as stone that might have been his pelvis and might have been his hip bone. She could feel through her shoe as the thing that might have been his pelvis and might have been his hip bone was raised up in the air a full two inches. Whatever it was, it would have bent her foot back a touch too far, but like I mentioned she knew to do once already, she snapped her foot back and set it on the bus floor. Then she lowered her weight, got centered and balanced and ready for more. Cliff made a squawkish, horrible noise when she kicked him. It was half grunt and half scream. One of those inhuman animal noises that people make when their reaction is all involuntary. His heels left the bus floor by a full two inches. He crumpled down into a fetal position and stifled a cry. The bus kids turned their heads and covered their faces with their hands when they heard Cliff cry out like that. It was not the kind of sound that made anyone want to giggle and laugh. It was a serious pain noise. Most of these bus kids were also farm kids, 
They knew enough about pain and life and death to feel a sort of horror-struck empathy for Cliff. Besides, Cliff was liked by almost everyone who met him. He was not a good kid. People liked that. He was also not a rude, arrogant, or unduly abrasive kid. People liked that more. He had helped or been kind to everyone on that bus at some point. No one was in a rush to laugh at him. Miss McClellan was the only person on the bus who managed to retain a smile. Her smile was perfect. It was placid. It was angry and full of glee and somehow not the least bit vindictive. Looking at that smile, it occurred to Maybelle that the fireworks, ball kickings, and gut-wrenching screams were not such a big deal to a woman who had lost a pinky and ring finger in an accident involving a hatchet and a drunk older brother. Maybelle began to respect Miss McClellan in a new way. She saw a whole lot of strength in Miss McClellan. Her newfound respect did not, however, make Maybelle think fondly of the woman. Miss McClellan's head rocked back. Her poofy mullet bounced. She cackled, leaned over Cliff, and said, Boy, howdy! Didn't count on that, eh? Cliff ignored Miss McClellan. He looked at Maybelle astounded. He said, What was that for, Maybelle? I mean, really? What was that? Miss McClellan pulled Cliff up to his feet by his thick camouflage jacket. He threw up his fist like he was ready to fight. She shrugged and said, Chill out, kid. You're in enough trouble already. She set him on his feet. She leaned in close. She said, Learn this little lesson while your guts are all squashed and your groin is all exploding and all full of hurt. The pretty ones aren't all nice. Oh, there are some nice, but not nice through and through. Learn that little lesson right now. Learn it for good. I was just, said Cliff, but he never finished the sentence. Maybell tackled him back down with a fit of fist and enthusiasm. She punched him twice in the face with her left hand. She gut-punched him with her right hand. He took a few swings at Maybell, and each one missed as she rolled clear of him. She put a foot against the wall of the bus, and using that as a base point, she pushed off that wall with her foot and flew from one side of the bus and across the middle aisle to land on him again. She hit him in the solar plexus so hard with her shoulder that she knocked the air out of his lungs. He coughed, and she started slapping him all over Miss McClellan laughed and loaded Maybelle on her shoulder like a kicking, slapping sack of horse feed. All the kicking and slapping Maybelle could manage did not phase the woman. Miss McClellan grinned down to Cliff, Maybelle still kicking and slapping on her shoulder. Nope, the pretty ones aren't all nice. They sure are precious, just not all nice. Not the way the rest of us have to be nice. With that, she raised her voice and spoke loud enough for all the bus kids to hear. What I'm about to say isn't fair. I don't give a roadkill possum's last thought that it isn't fair. All I care about is that you hear the truth of it in my voice and act right. I don't want to hear one peep out of any single one of you for the rest of our ride together to the school. She walked slowly with Mabel on her shoulder until she reached the front of the bus. She turned and said, Not one peep. Don't think too hard. Don't breathe too loudly if you could help it. If I hear one sound that is not this loud bus engine or that squeaky bus door, she made a little effeminate motion toward the engine rumbling under the yellow bus's front hood. 
She made the same effeminate motion toward the bus door. I will find you. You will go to the office. Your folks will receive a phone call. I will ruin your whole life. Try me. She punctuated the last statement of try me by plopping Maybell down in the right side front seat of the bus. Luckily, that seat was empty. Miss McClellan knelt in front of Maybell, looked her in the eye, and said, Don't move. Don't talk. You'll get through this. Try me. You won't. She patted Maybell on the head twice, got in through the driver's seat, and pulled the big bus back onto the highway. It might be a testament to the power of Miss McClellan had to terrify young children that where a speech like this would normally backfire or fall flat, this one worked. Where most bus children around the world would scoff at a speech like that and start making loud fart noises just to be heinous, these bus kids were quiet for the rest of the ride to the school. They did not cough, they did not whisper, they did not even snicker and chuckle as quietly as they could. They were quiet, completely quiet, silent. And that should have warned everyone that strange things were going on in Hickory Hollow. No one is so terrifying that they can make a bus full of children quiet like that. Someone should have remembered the two reasons silence occurs in the woods. The first is that everything that lives and makes noise is already gone. The scorched earth left by a forest fire is quiet. The second reason silence occurs in the woods is that something horrifying and powerful is present. Nothing wants to draw its notice. Someone should have remembered that. They should have looked at Miss McClellan and discounted her as nothing more than another hardline authoritarian bus driver trying to keep her route on schedule. They should have looked around for the truly frightening thing that could make a busload of children fear to speak. It was there. This has been scene one of the third episode of the Maybell Soda Can podcast. The voice acting was done by me, Daniel Verdon. The music and story were written by me, Daniel Verdon. You can support the podcast and me as an artist by going to anchor.fm slash Maybell Soda Can. There's a little green button that says support podcast. And if you follow the prompts, you can support this podcast. It'll be great. It would also be really, really truly wonderfully great if you would send whatever link brought you here spotify apple podcast Castbox, wherever this found you to someone that you think would like it you can keep up with all the stuff i'm doing by following the daniel verdon facebook page or just go to instagram and look up j daniel verdon i am so grateful to mark jones of the hoodoo music podcast for doing the audio editing for this podcast. Audio editing is something I'm just not so good at, and Mark Jones was too good a friend to let me go on putting out such bad audio. You can find his podcast at www.rootdoctormedia.com slash hoodoo subscribe, or just Google hoodoo podcast and Mark Jones. I'm sure you'll find it. I genuinely believe that you will enjoy his most recent podcast, or the most recent one that I've I've listened to, episode 54, in which the lead singer of a band called Foxwood goes in deep about the demise of his marriage 
and all the fun music that came out of it. The Hoodoo podcast features live recordings of bands in the Greenville, South Carolina area. That's where I'm from. And they're surprisingly good. And so I thought that just the first song that was on there was pretty catchy, pretty fun. I I enjoyed it. Mark is doing such great work uncovering the underground music scene of Greenville, South Carolina. So please check him out and show him some love. Thanks so much. I appreciate you. Catch you next time.